You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Most of your crimes are done by um, by high, stupid, incompetent people who are willing to perpetrate violence on other people. I don't think there's any difference in the cyber world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast. This is the show where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Got some good stories to share this week. And later in the show, we've got an interesting interview. Oh, I don't know. Nobody important. Just Penn and Teller. This is awesome. And we are back. Uh, I'm going to kick things off for us this week, Joe. I got a story came by from The Guardian. This is written by Hillary Osborne. The title is Revealed Fake Traders Allegedly Prey on Victims in Global Investment Scam. Is similar to some things we've heard before. This is some folks uh, were targeted, uh, sounds like, in Britain and uh, Australia. This was uh, a scam being run out of Ukraine. And the scam started with ads on Facebook. Okay. And the ads on Facebook featured celebrities. In this case, they say uh, people like Gordon Ramsay. Is that Hugh Jackman? That is Hugh Jackman. Yep. And so these ads would feature celebrities and say, these celebrities are taking part in this investment plan. You too can be part of this investment plan. But of course... The whole thing was a scam. Yeah. If you reply to the ad, you'll get a call from someone calling from a call center in Ukraine. And they would start off by asking you for a small investment just to get you to hand over some money. Uh Uh-huh. They also would ask you to, wait for it, install an app on your computer. Oh. Now, this app, according to them, was just so they could demonstrate to you how to use the software so they could have control to show you what to do. Okay. But of course, there was a lot more going on. They would have complete control of your computer. Right. And the scammers would use that control to take control of your bank account. Interesting. Yeah. My favorite part of this one so far is that they ask you for some money up front. And then once you've given that money, then they install the malware. Yeah, I don't know that it's that order of operations every okay. time, but but it definitely seems as though they started off asking for a small bit of money to right. kind of set the hook yes. and uh, get you going. That's actually very powerful. You know, it's it's that sunk cost fallacy kicking in, mm-hmm. right? It's very easy to use incrementalism to just kind of continue to get people along once they've sunk a little bit of money into something. Yeah. So what would happen next is once they had invested some money, they would log into their account with this investment firm. And of course, it's all fake. Right. They would log in and it would show that they had made a lot of money. For right. example, uh, an investment of uh, 2,000 pounds would come back showing that it was now worth 35,000 pounds. Huh, almost like uh, one coin. Yeah. <laughs> so the problem was when they wanted to withdraw the money, uh, one person said that the trader told him he could only access his money if he paid more than 1,000 pounds in bank fees and commissions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I bet the money still doesn't come. Right. Others said that they were told their withdrawal was pending but uh, they never saw their returns. Hmm. Now, this was all revealed by a whistleblower, someone who worked in this organization. Really? Uh Uh-huh. And this person worked in the second tier. So once these guys took your money, 
Yeah. Someone else would call from within the organization claiming to work for a different organization that was going to help you get your money back. Huh. And they just needed an upfront fee. Yeah, this is the follow-on scam. Yes. Right. Yes. So they would claim to be from a completely different organization, and they were here to help you. Right. Get your money back. But, of course, they were just Another getting scam. more money from you. Right. Yeah. This whistleblower uh, revealed some some internal notes from within the organization. There was one where they described uh, speaking to a 67-year-old Swedish victim mm-hmm. who sold her home to pay, had no money, crying. She told the people, I can't pay the rent or buy food. I feel as though I have no life. So this this person's conscience got to him. And, and it's also possible that the people who were paid for this to be part of the scam were not aware that they were part of a scam. Uh, I suppose it's possible. It seems, though, in this case, everybody seems to know what was up. They, they know what's going on. Yeah. But why then blow the whistle? That's a good question. I don't know. Perhaps it, the story doesn't really uh, lay that out. Perhaps huh. he had a, a moment of conscience. I don't know. But it could just be a disgruntled employee. It does say that they were paid commission based on how much they scammed people out of. But they would go in and just take their uh, bank accounts and empty them out. That's sad. Yeah. They followed up with this organization who, uh, it's a group called the Milton Group. And of course, they claim that uh, there's nothing to these allegations, that they are on the up and up. So we'll see what happens as the investigations make their way through uh, law enforcement, if they can- The company uh, is still around or this organization is still around? uh, The organization that is alleged to be behind this is still around. That, That organization claims to not be- up to any of this. So it's, they're denying everything. Ah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens as it makes its way through. One of the things that, uh, that stuck out to me here was that uh, the people they interviewed for this article, they were able to get in touch with several of the people who fell victim to this. And many of them did not want their names used. Right. Because they said their families did not know they that they been- had Fallen victim to it. Yes. Yep. And that is a big part of why these people get away with this. It is. It's a huge part of why they get away with it. So recommendation, I would say preemptively have a conversation with your loved ones and say, Particularly your older loved ones. Right. Say, listen, if anything like this happens, please come talk to me about it. I'm not going to be uh, disappointed in you or ashamed of you or anything. The best thing that can happen is for us to be able to talk about these things and then we can work together to try to resolve it the best way possible. Right. But this fear keeps people silent. Yeah, and the embarrassment too. Yeah. Particularly with your kids. I mean, I can imagine me being another 20 years older and then having to look at my kids and going, well, your dad who raised you and told you everything that well, about the world is, is so dumb that he fell for this. And right. that's horrifying to me. I absolutely get why people don't want to tell their, their loved ones that this has happened to them. Yeah. I, I totally get it. Yeah. And the scammers rely on that. Yeah, they do. All right. Well, that is my story. What do you have for us this week, Joe? Dave, my story comes from the Federal Trade Commission, which is part of the U.S. government. And uh, they have a, a nice website up today that has uh, actually put it up last month, but it's a warning about scams involving the coronavirus. Mm. Now, the coronavirus is all over the news, right? Yeah. It is top of mind for everybody. Last week, the stock market took a big hit because of the coronavirus. Right. And everybody knows what the coronavirus is, Mm -hmm. right? So scammers say, there's an opportunity, (laughs) right? Right. And these are some of the vectors they talk about in this blog post. They talk about looking for any kind of information about the coronavirus. So just, just getting an email that talks about the coronavirus and has like links 
and, and purports to be from the Centers for Disease Control, the mm-hmm. World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. Those are all great ways to get people to click on a link. I see. Right. Hey, there's a coronavirus outbreak in your area. Click here. Right. Don't right. click there. Here's the information you need to know. Right. Mm-hmm. To survive. Right. Right. That's the scare tactic. Yeah. Right. And that's what's going to happen. This this hasn't happened en masse yet, but it's coming. So I want to get out in front of this and tell people about it so that they know it when they see it. Yeah. Another one is, this is interesting. There is no vaccine for the, for the coronavirus yet, mm-hmm. but there's going to come offers for vaccines. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be an opportunity for more malware downloads or possibly even a, even a scam mm-hmm. where, hey, you can have your vaccine. It's going to cost you 150 bucks. Send me the money and someone will show up at your house. And of course, nobody will ever show up. There right. is no vaccine for this. Move to the front of the line. Right. Protect yourself and your family. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Another vector, of course, we see this frequently when whenever there's any kind of world disaster, charitable organizations. Right. Mm. Uh, charitable organization scams, I should say. There are charitable organizations out there, I'm sure, that are equipping themselves to deal with with a coronavirus outbreak here in the United States and abroad. But there's going to be a lot of scams out there soliciting donations for helping with the coronavirus. Do your research on these organizations. Only donate money to organizations you're familiar with and and don't respond to email solicitations for donations. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. just don't do it. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, there's also I, I have a friend who uh, who uh, used to uh, work with a lot of uh, these nonprofits. She, she was uh, trained in uh, emergency responses, disaster response, right. and so forth. And she made the point to be sure to check with these organizations for what they really need uh, before you start sending them things. Yes, the, the example was whenever there's a disaster like this, these folks end up with shipping containers full of teddy bears right. that no one can use. Yeah. Like the earthquake in Haiti, the, the or that was uh, that happened a few years ago. People sent coats, yeah, container ships full of coats, right? And, and nobody in Haiti needs a coat. Oh, I see, right? <laughs> so wrong climate, right? Yeah. So check with them. It usually, and my understanding is that most of the time, what they need most is money, right? And then they can use that money for the best things that they can use that money for. Exactly, so. and that's true because money is easier to move than than supplies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And. That's interesting that you point that out because that's really what these scammers are after too. Mm-hmm. So it it does have a legitimate purpose for the charities and for the nonprofits that are doing this. Right. But you've got to be careful about who you're giving your money to. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I are sitting here saying, don't send anything that they don't need. Send the money. That's probably what they need the most. But at the same time, the scammers are going to be going after that. Yeah. That's sad. Finally, and I thought this was interesting because I hadn't considered this. But the FTC wants you to be aware of investment opportunity scams. Hmm. Hey, here's a company that's found a vaccine for the coronavirus. You want to get in on the ground floor of this investment? Hmm. That's going to make millions, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You think, anyway. I hadn't even considered this as a vector. Right. But uh, the FTC has. So pretty clever, I think. Right. Yeah. Some uh, pharmaceutical company spinning up. Now's your chance to get in on the ground floor. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a global uh, thing. We're all going to get rich. I We're tell all you, make rich. Billions. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because everybody's going to need to get a coronavirus vaccine. Mm-hmm. There are 7 billion people in the world. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a good resource here from the FTC. Yes. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. It is time to move on to our catch of the day. Joe, you brought us our catch of the day this week. It's a a little unusual story here. Can you give us the background? Okay, so you're aware that I have my 
personal comedy podcast. Yes. Things Joe Hates, right? Oh, it's comedy, is it? it, it <laughs> thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially angry old man yells in a microphone while wife and future son-in-law make fun of him. I um, see. Way to sell it, Joe. Right. Way to sell it. All right. <laughs> and I, I guess, can you guess which role I play? <laughs> hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So the producer on that show actually is my is my daughter's fiance. His name is Jake. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of Jake's hobbies is he is uh, big into football and he's also a software developer. Mm-hmm. So he got together with some guys and they developed this game, this this football simulation game. Hmm. And as part of the simulation game that they built, they also put a wiki on how to use it together they, using the Wikimedia standards. Okay. Right. However, whenever you stand up a wiki, uh, you run the risk of being found by some bot engine. Mm. And that's exactly what happened to this wiki. Hmm. And these bots came in to this wiki. They defeated the CAPTCHA, oh. right, which is apparently trivial to, to defeat. And they created 15,000 accounts <laughs> on this wiki. Okay. Now, when they create these accounts, they actually put text into the user page of the accounts. And... Jake saved some of these for us. So I have them here, a few of the select ones uh, with some highlighted ones. Some of them are short. Some of them are very long. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not going to read all of it. But it's hilarious because it's obviously just cut from web pages and then pasted into these bot engines, which in turn loaded into the Wikimedia server. And what's the point? Why are they doing this? Uh, They're doing this for spam, I think, because they have have links in here to adult sites, you know, and Mm -hmm. and other things. Right. Uh, They may also be using it for some other future capability. They may be using it for denial of service with some cross-site scripting. I, I don't know. Gaming it's, search engines, I suppose, is part right. of it, too. Getting Gaming this, search engines could be a big part of it. text out there, yeah. Yep. The crawlers find it and yeah, makes it seem more prevalent. All right, well, shall I go through and read some of these? So, uh, how about this? How about you read one, and then I'll read one, and then you read one, and then I'll read one. All right, very good. I will start off with this one. Two tablespoons raw unsalted peanuts chopped preheat oven to 375 seasoned cod on both sides with kosher salt and freshly ground pepper. Cut a 12-inch square of parchment paper and fold it in half lengthwise. (laughs) Hello, my name is Britt. I smile that I could join the entire world. I live in United States in the NC region. I dreamt to head to the various countries to obtain acquainted with appealing people. I am Ashley from Bad Pirawarth. I love to play banjo. Other hobbies are college football. Hobie, say adala table football. Say junga. This is obviously written in some other language. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know what this is. And this has a link, my homepage, and has a link to the homepage. Adult toys. I totally understand you because I don't really eat meat either. I get to know iron and I don't know what to do because I'm going to get really sick soon. I eat plain pasta for dinner and a bagel for lunch every single day. <laughs> Adult stores near me. If you want to turn an ordinary night into something enchanting, Get this kit. Honestly, it tasted great and was fun and really set the mood for great lovemaking. Unless you don't want romance, there is no reason not to get this kit. The blogger above is no exception and clearly doesn't have their facts correct. Clark, Young, and Wright are just the latest victims of dirty politics by the old guard. Robinson and her posse of haters. So don't be deceived or be part of their lies. Boss each other around in bed. Adult toys, and this was way before skinny jeans became a common thing for guys to wear. At one time, you never even considered that family members might be on a different team, so yours had just caught herself and tried to fix it just in case. 
you know? I initially thought that perhaps I was supposed to get a bottle opener and pop off the bottle cap. However, some visual inspection showed me that it is too wide to get out through the top, so I gave that idea up. Next, I noticed a thin band of plastic tightly wrapped around the bottom. As stated before, we are huge horror movie fans, and we really enjoyed this movie for that reason alone. <laughs> Many aren't conscious of using nearly all of its functions. Though nearly all of us have an Apple iPhone now, well, it might seem this way. You will be not the only real individual that is unsure about the iPhone has to offer. If you wish to know more about the incredible iPhone, this content below is just what you want. You don't have to click the little X if autocorrect wants you to select a definite word, so you don't want to choose that word. Are you able to tap anywhere else on the screen? And also, the little suggestion goes away. This can be a lot quicker than seeking to go through the X. All right, so a lot of word salad, really. Right, exactly. Uh, I, yeah. The word salad is the funny part. <laughs> I like how one of them just jumps to uh, liking to play banjo. Now, how does how does Jake deal with this? Can Does he have the ability to just wipe them all out? Yeah, what he did was he uh, disabled the ability to create new accounts. Mm-hmm. And then... He went through and and deleted all the all the accounts that were created between specific times. I see. That's how he got rid of them. I see. Because it's not a big project, right? He he's not working for a corporation. This is just something he does as a hobby on the side. Mm-hmm. Now, when somebody wants to create an account, they have to send him an email. He has to know who they are, mm-hmm. and you know they have to they have to be players on the game in order to, in order right. to be able to update the system. Right, right, right. But. I mean, mm. this is the kind of stuff that somebody who's just trying to set up something to be helpful has to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's it's irritating. Yeah, even with the captcha, they just got yeah. right on by they, that. Oh, they bypassed the captcha <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> right. And I, well, I'm not sure how they did it, but they yeah. did it. Welcome to the internet, where you can give no one the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our catch of the day. Uh, thanks to you, and thanks to Jake for bringing that to us. Coming up next, uh, the conversation I recently had at the 2020 RSA conference with magicians Penn and Teller. So, Joe, I was uh, recently at the 2020 RSA conference, yeah, big uh, cybersecurity conference out in San Francisco. And one of the highlights of the conference was uh, they brought in Penn and Teller to do uh, some of their magic for the attendees. Awesome. They actually did a, a special uh, magic trick that had to do with cybersecurity and passwords and that sort of stuff. So it was great fun. But when we got word that they were coming, we uh, reached out and asked uh, as media partners with RSA for the conference this year, uh, would Penn and Teller be willing to spend a few minutes talking to us about social engineering and, and scams and things like that? And w- wouldn't you know they went for it? That's That's great. <laughs> So, uh, Dave, I have never truly been jealous of you until this. <laughs> I've, I've generally tried to be happy for people yeah, when, when this yeah. kind of things happens, but I must confess, I am jealous that I wasn't there for this. Well, we had a good time. They gave us a few moments before they were uh, ready to go on to do their show. We were back in the green room uh, as they were preparing to uh, go on and do their show. So here is my conversation with Penn and Teller. When you're doing a, a con one-on-one or even conning in a, in a pyramid scheme, a few thousand. There's some sort of investment to get over the hump, whether that's having to expose yourself uh, to uh, possibly being busted. But the, the, the thing about, uh, about phishing scams is you can send out, uh, you know, 100 million emails, and all you have to do is hit your most vulnerable. 
So whereas someone who's doing a pigeon drop scam or uh, or any of these get rich quick scams or even um, even paving your driveway scams right. or any of that, uh, you have to find uh, an older person in their home. You have to you have to go there. You you might be bumping into a uh, an ex law enforcement person who's aware of this stuff. There's a there's a lot of risk when you're sending out hundreds of millions of emails, you you know, you don't need to get close to one hundredth of one percent to be able to hit. So you can dumb them down tremendously to protect yourself. You don't want to get someone on the hook who is at all savvy. Right, right. So there's a there's a the difference in numbers changes the whole con thing. Although it does come down to, you know, um, and you don't want to overstate this because you end up blaming the victim for the crime, which is always a mistake. Right. But it does come down to something for nothing. And you you, you have to be very careful of that. You know, you're not going to be offered the deal that's something for nothing. And it's very hard to remember that because it's very seductive. But once again, I don't want to get close to blaming the victim for the crime. Yeah. We do that so easily in scams going, oh, these people that fall for this are stupid or these people. I mean, it's a small step from there to, uh, you know, she shouldn't have been dressed like that walking in the street. It's a small step to that. And it's it's deeply, deeply immoral. Yeah. Do you feel as though with the, the perspective that, that you have, the the knowledge that you have, um, like I'm imagining if you're walking down the street and you see someone doing a shell game, mm-hmm. you know, like you know what the mechanisms that are going on, you you can watch that from right, a different but, point of view than me. But no, no, I, no, because um, that's part of the lie. You know, uh, when, when David Mamet writes about scams, it's always this kind of um, beautiful interplay that shows um, basic human needs and desires. That's not what's going on in Three Card Monty. If uh, Teller and I were to go up and know every single move and be able to see the move, which we couldn't do anyway, but let's postulate that we could, we could see the move and therefore be able to make the bet and stop them from doing the turnover and stop all of that. There are six people working that scam and they will pull you in the back alley, beat you up, and take your money. I see. Uh, <laughs> it is not someone outsmarting you at a game. It is somebody who is uh, uh, a thug, a bully, a violent person operating outside of the trust of society who will hit you. So if you were able to say, that's where the queen is, hold the person's hand back, turn over the queen, show that to them triumphantly, they are not going to go, jolly good, well played, here's our money. Right. They're not going to say that. They're going to have the three people who are standing beside you in the, in the crowd who are shills. They're going to have the two people who are lookouts and they're going to have the thrower just take you and move you into a place where there's nobody around and beat you senseless. Yeah. Uh, I was just on um, uh, the bridge in, in, in London, uh, right by uh, Big Ben. Right. Westminster Bridge. Yeah, Westminster Bridge. And um, they were doing uh, they were doing three-card Monty. And I, uh, I uh, thought foolishly, I guess I felt I was in a big enough crowd that I was safe. I pulled out my cell phone and I held it up to just get a bit of video. So I was going on Pierce Morgan the next morning. I thought maybe we could show the video. And a the person next to me who was just watching, just like me, 
grabbed my hand so forcefully and pulled it down and gave me a look that said, I'm going to beat the out of him. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's no pretense of there being some sort of game. When, 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 when Mamet or when we talk about, you know, Melville and the confidence man, we talk about cheaters, we, uh, we often have this sense of cleverness. It's so well orchestrated. These pickpockets are so smart. And uh, if they're razoring your pocket to cut your wallet out, they will also razor your throat. So we can't pretend that people, and there's even that romance that goes on in fishing scams. Right. Here's how smart they were to throw a um, to throw a thumb drive in the parking lot that someone picked up and checked it out. The people that decide to do that are operating outside of our rules. So if they, if you were to outsmart them, they will beat you up. And I, I have a very strong feeling about this because especially in magic, there's this um, sensibility of, um, oh, this card sheet, his moves are so perfect. They're so beautiful. They're actually more skilled. Right. That is a lot like saying that a rapist is good sexual. It's ignoring the most important thing, which is that this is a crime. Uh, rapists are not good at sex and con men are not good at cards. They are doing an immoral, terrible thing. But is it fair to dismiss what might be a certain level of craft? They, they've, they've become good at it through practice, yes? I think, I think uh, the craft, you know, you'll always see this stuff like, oh, pickpockets. Right. They're right. so good and so quick at the handoffs. Yes, compared to someone doing it for the first time, not compared to the Olympic relay team. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and the people who have clever fishing scams are not anywhere near the level of the people who developed Unix at Bell Labs. You know, right. it's just um, we, we, we make a big mistake when we uh, glorify anything about this. I mean, yes, they are better than we would be the first time out. And there's no doubt that people who've cheated at cards can do some astonishingly good moves. Yeah. But I don't think there's anybody, and I may be wrong on this, because I'm thinking about Steve Ford, mm -hmm. but I don't think there's anybody that, um, you know, it, it's like uh, Christopher Hitchens' things about atheists. Yes, um, people who are religious have done incredibly moral things, but there are people without religion who have always matched that. I believe in magic that there isn't anyone in cheating that has done moves that nobody working morally can do. I, I think that's true. There's always this weird argument that um, people who are working under heat or real cheating have some sort of more skill because the risks are higher. Hmm. But that, that gets to be a very complicated mathematics because if you have someone doing a high wire act, up uh, up 100 feet, and you have someone doing a wire act that's up four feet, the tricks, the skill that the person working four feet are going to be exhibiting are going to be more amazing because the risks are lower. You have to figure the risks in in order to get that. Uh, I have very strong feelings about this because this kind of thinking that happens in the cyber world happens so much in magic. We have uh, people say, oh, I'm bringing back my friend. He did real pickpocketing and he went to jail.
and you go, no, he's not better at what, <laughs> at oh, what we do. Oh, I see. He's that... not better at that. First of all, he went to jail. I don't mean to get too Trump McCain right. on this. First of all, he went to jail, which means he's not that good. Right. But second of all, um, the fact that someone is willing to cause damage to other people should not make us think that their skill is greater. Awesome. When, 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 you, when, you, when you see a magician, the magician has ahead of time said, I'm going to cheat you. Right. I'm going to do tricks. The, the person in real life hasn't said that. So you're on alert already when you see a magic trick. So the magic trick has to be better than the scam in real life. And I believe that goes directly into cyber stuff. I mean, I don't think we have any black hat people who are actually smarter and more skilled than the white hat people. Uh, I mean, there, there, there may be outliers. Certainly there are some that are better than others, but you know, the people that I know that are, um, you know, we knew uh, Dennis Ritchie and uh, Thompson and, all, and Rob Pike and all the original Unix people right. at, uh, at uh, Bell Labs, and I've never seen, you know, or, or Shannon, <laughs> we haven't seen we haven't seen a Shannon or a Rob Pike on on the on the side of the bat. The reason they they get elevated is because they are they are carving out the morality. You know. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I I've often wondered, like, um, you know, to me, a um, a close up sleight of hand magician would never have to pay for a candy bar unless they wanted to. Right. Well, no, it's, it's but, a different skill. It's a different. But you understand skill. what I'm. I mean, what I, my, my I mean, point the that point is that you you, you choose. No, you, everybody chooses. Right. You do not have to pay for a candy bar. Uh, I, I can assure you that you have been at a convenience store. Right. When um, when someone wasn't watching you closely, that you could have stuck it in your pocket. Um, there's no special skill to stealing. There really is no special skill to steal them. Um, it, uh, you know, most of most of your robberies are opportunist. The idea of the uh, the clever heist, the Ocean's Eleven, is essentially a fiction. There's a few stories of very clever robberies, but those stories are there's two dozen of them over the past hundred years. I mean, they're they're just they're just not. There's the there's the one with the with with the, with the dice being switched at a table on innocent people while something else is happening over there. That's very very clever, and that's something that happened in the late '60s that is still brought up as the one clever scam. Right. Mostly, it's people who are. Uh, most of your crimes are done by um, by high, stupid, incompetent people who are willing to perpetrate violence on other people. And I don't think there's any difference in the cyber world. Podcasting is an audio medium, obviously. You have your yep. your podcast. Are you aware of any, um, of the existence of any audio-only magic tricks? Is, is magic uh, a visual medium? Everybody's, uh, there, there's a bunch. You know, there's uh, uh, our mentor, Johnny Thompson, used to talk about radio tricks in a live show where the visual is there. We have tricks in our show that um, we hope you don't notice, but um, you aren't really seeing very much. You are counting on the audience reaction and our reaction and the way it happens there. And it's not actual close-ups uh, of, of what's happening. Uh, magic is, to me, an intellectual 
media more than, than uh, when you're talking about pure illusion, which to me is the lowest form of magic, hmm. just something that looks one way instantly, um, you know, the stuff that is done with mirrors or optically. I think that's the least interesting kind of magic. The most interesting kind of magic at one level or another, I, I believe, is psychological. So there I've been, um, there have been okay uh, audio, uh, uh, audio only magic tricks. They are harder. Uh, just like TV only magic tricks are much harder because you really want to be in the room so that the, um, the rules of time and physics uh, can cannot be uh, cannot be manipulated. The problem with magic on television is the most amazing magic trick we could ever do happens every 20 seconds in TV, which is a different point of view. Mm -hmm. If we could suddenly have you looking at us from over there, it would be the most phenomenal magic trick ever done. And yet on TV, all the time. Right. On TV, you have Avengers. You know, you have you have all that that's showing. Right. So audio has kind of that same problem. If uh, if we do a trick right here for people that you know and you understand that they are being honest and they are sincerely shocked that's very different than someone you don't know in, in, in audio so I would say that it's not so much a difference between sound and light as is the difference between immediacy and real in the room all right, Joe, what do you think? Well, a great interview. There's a lot of interesting things that Penn has to say in here. There is a risk to conning in person, mm -hmm. a real risk, and that scamming online mitigates that risk. Right. You could be on the other side of the planet. Right. I also find it interesting that three-card Monte really is a dangerous game, it seems. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the root of everything, we're still talking about a brute force situation. In a lot of my analysis work, I think brute force still has a, a, a very large role to play, particularly when it comes to cracking passwords. Hmm. And what Penn was talking about when he was at a, uh, a three card money game in England, and he came very close to upfront and personal with the, with the brute force nature of the game. Right. These guys are not these elegant cheats. They're going to use brute force if they have to, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's available to them. Mm -hmm. One of the things he said was the scams typically come down to one thing, and that's the something for nothing. Right. And it's hard to remember that because it's so seductive. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true. It's very hard for us to keep that in mind, you know, that there's always something that you're going to have to pay if you want to get something. Right. And I'm also glad to hear Penn's statement on victim blaming. Yeah. That, you know, we shouldn't be blaming the victims. These people are victims of criminals who took advantage of them. Right. Mm. His statement on these hackers not being the best and the brightest, uh, you know, I have known some very, very, very good reverse engineers and pen testers. Mm -hmm. And invariably, those people have worked for legitimate companies that contract out with people to do this. And I, I, I agree. I think these people are actually better at what they do because they get to do it longer and more often for legitimate money. Mm -hmm. So even if you just look at this as a skills game, if you have the opportunity to repeatedly try to break into places because that's what you're contracted to do and you're not going to go to jail for that, then you're you're going to get better at it than anybody who does get caught. Yeah. Right. Because they're going to go to jail and they're not going to get much better at it. Yeah. Interesting also how he pointed out, I think accurately, that this myth of the criminal mastermind 
it's good for movies and right. uh, TV shows and so forth. But most of the time in real life, that's not how that's it works. That's not how it is. Yeah. yeah. There, there are no Bond villains out there. Right, right. Right. They're all actually running their own companies. Like maybe Jeff Bezos is a Bond villain <laughs> who, <laughs> who figured out something that worked and legitimately went out and made billions. Right. Right. When you guys were talking about stealing the candy bar, mm-hmm. that made me think of something. You know, we all play by the rules because we know it's better if everyone does. Mm-hmm. Right. We are part of this unwritten social contract that, you know, if I know that if I continually go into a store and shoplift, even if I don't get caught, it's going to make it harder for that store to do business. Yeah. And then that store may not be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's also going to make items more expensive for people. And there's a whole list of reasons why you don't do it. But in high crime areas, stores just don't go in there because they can't operate and make a profit. Yeah. So again, thanks so much uh, to Penn and Teller for taking the time for us. Uh, they were very generous. Also, a special thanks to our producer, Jennifer Iben, for uh, making it happen. She did a lot of work behind the scenes to coordinate that interview. And, and uh, I have to say, it was a real thrill for me to get to spend time with them. Big fan of Penn and Teller for a long time. Thanks to the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our coordinating producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Fittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening. 